Welcome to Live the Fuel. Welcome to Live Welcome the Fuel. To Live the Fuel. Focusing on health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, I'm bringing back to you another repeat co-host. This gentleman has been on multiple times. We've had his uh, co-founder of multiple companies on uh, multiple times, including last night, actually, most recently. Uh, But this gentleman runs a brand and a book that he created called Fitness Confidential, which since Fitness Confidential is also spawned a company that I personally get products from called Pure Vitamin Club. And since that launched most recently, they've launched another pure business model called Pure Coffee Club. So well, without further ado, he's a repeat co-host multiple times over. Welcome back to the show, Vinny Tortorich of VinnyTortorich.com. Thank you uh, for having me, Scott. And uh, wow, when, when, when I hear it coming out of your mouth like that, it almost makes me feel downright successful. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, sooner or later, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It's uh but yeah, it's uh that that's really cool to hear it back because you know, it's kind of funny when you're when you're doing it, you know, uh when you're doing things every day. Uh you just don't sit there and think about it. You know, you don't think, oh wow, we're doing a lot of stuff and we have a lot of stuff going on. All I tend to do is complain that I don't have enough time in a day to get it all done. Well, you know, you know, you're running like three different brands, you know, just throwing that out there. We are. And uh, it's a lot, um, but it's all good stuff. Um, the thing that makes me very happy uh, is the, the, actually the brand that makes me no money makes me the happiest. Uh, that's NSNG uh, and the NSNG lifestyle, which uh, was my brainchild a gazillion years ago with my clients here in Hollywood. And um, when my friend, uh, writer, producer uh, of television shows and books, Dean Laurie came to me and said, man, you need to put this out to the world. I literally said no. And I continued to say no for the better part of, I don't know, I, I, sometimes I say a year, sometimes I say it was two years, but let's put it right at about 18 months of me just telling him, no, I'm not going to do this. And he kept going, you don't understand the power. You know, you've been helping Hollywood with this no sugars, no grains thing forever. Um, you need to put this out to the world. Yeah. It, it just didn't make sense to me to, to want to do that at the time. Uh, now I can't imagine not doing that. Well, I mean, look what spawned since that. I mean, you you listen to Dean. He's a good friend. Yeah, he's looking out for you. You launched the brand. You launched the book. You launched a podcast to help launch and grow the book's success on Amazon and, and everywhere else. I'm a physical book owner and a digital audio book owner of it, um, which, again, to our listeners, guys, if you're a newer listener, check out Fitness Confidential because I highly recommend it. It's a little bit of a, a, a nice read to get more background into Vinny. And, well, I mean, one of my biggest takeaways from it is your cancer survival story. I think that's so powerful to help reinforce the NSNG lifestyle. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, that, that, you know, look, different <laughs> people ask me all the time, how did you guys come up with the book? You know, why, man, you guys really figured this book out. You know, the, 
that, oh my God, you guys, how did you know to make it a cancer story with fitness stuff stuck in the middle and then throw in a bicycle story with it? And the answer to that is we didn't That's know your that. lifestyle. Yeah. And the other side of it is, is that when we put, you know, when we went out to all the book companies, they literally, uh, you've probably heard this story a thousand times before, but they all told us, look, um, <laughs> we can't put this book out like this. Yep. And yep. we said, why? And they said, because it's three books all like wrapped into one or at least two books. Would you would you mind? And by the way, Simon and Schuster and Harper Collins, Harper Wave, these two companies offered me a two book deal. Now, can you imagine being? Well, I wasn't a first time author. I had written a children's book, but being a first time, big time book author, getting offered a two book deal and saying, "No, I, I don't want to do that." You guys want to chop up my baby? You know, can you imagine if a doctor came to you and said, hey, you just had a child. We want to give that kid a nose job. It's like, no, his nose looks like my nose. I want to keep the nose. Well, I, th I think they, because they, again, they're looking at it from a business success model, right? Like they about revenue and generation. And it's like, listen, that's not what you went after. You know, Dean convinced you to tell and share your story. And you're like, well, if you make, if you break it up, you're ruining how and why we wrote it this way. So very true. Um, and also, they wanted me to conform. And I think that's the most important part of what we're talking about here. Um, they were trying to get me to conform into their model. Um, they wanted me to... Um, I remember at one point I was talking to someone at one of those book companies and I said... Actually, it was my agent because I had some long, drawn-out... Yeah. And my agent is like one of the best agents out there. You know, um, uh, she's at Levine Greenberg and one of the biggest you know, book agents in the world. And uh, as a matter of fact, I read articles about her. Her name is Danielle Svetkov. I read articles about her where would be authors were like, how do you even get a call into this woman? Right. This woman was like very impressive book agent. And I had her. I mean, she she fell in. She she got a hold of my book and she fell in love with it. And I said, Danielle, what is their biggest problem? Why, are, why do they want the two-book deal? Why won't they put it out like this? And she goes, well, they have two problems. Number one, you're saying that all of their other people, uh, you, you're talking bad about Jillian Michaels, and you're talking bad about this one and that one. They want to clean all that up, you know, because you're fighting against other people that have to do business with. And number two, they simply, by offering you two books, they don't have to decide which shelf it goes on in the bookstore because you've written an autobiography and a fitness book. They want you to make their lives easier. Right. And I said, so wait a minute. I said, there's literally one book house, big book house left, Barnes & Noble. Everything else is shut down. There, and everything else is being sold on Amazon, right? So the big, I said to Danielle, can we agree that the biggest marketplace now is Amazon? She goes, absolutely. And I said, and they're worried about me being, which shelf to put me on in a bookstore? These people are backwards. And she, you know, Danielle got quiet for a second. This woman's been in the book industry for like 30 years. She goes, 
wow, now that you put it that way, she goes, I never thought of it that way. I said, yeah, they're worried about yesterday. I'm worried about tomorrow, you know? And and everything I do in life is like that. Everybody's like, well, this is how this tradition, this is how it's always been done. Who are you to say that you blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I, I'm sorry that I'm hijacking your show, but- No, man, speak. You knew that when you invited me on. Um, <laughs> One of my clients um, who amassed bazillions of dollars in Hollywood, um, he said to me, he goes, hey, how's that little book project going for you? And I went, well, it was after I decided to self-publish it and not go with the publisher. And I, I, I said, Bill, um, uh, I'm going to self-publish it. He goes, well, I thought you had uh, Simon & Schuster on the hook and someone else. I went, yeah, I had HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster. I said, but they want me to change the book so much that I'm just going to self-publish it. And he started laughing. I said, what's so funny? He said, so you think you know better than Simon & Schuster and Harper and Collins, Harper Collins. And I thought about it for a second and I said, yeah, I think exactly that. I, I think I know better than them um, because they're not making sense. And that was that, you know? Well, and, and here's the thing. How many times are people being pushed into fitting into the mold or in what people think is the mold? And it takes people like yourself and myself and other people to say, wait a minute, what what is wrong with doing something different, right? And well, what if that something different turns into something that's a huge success? <laughs> usually doing something different means you're going to fail miserably, which I've done a lot of in my life. You know, um, as a matter of fact, um, you know, I guess you would call me a, a, a success story to some degree. Um, but usually when I get when I sit around with people like Dean Laurie and or the Adam Carollas of the world, uh, you know, I'm name dropping at this point, the the the, uh, the, the Howie Mandels of the world. Yeah. Uh, usually. You don't talk about your success, you talk about your failure. You know, we sit around and go. Oh my God, that time when I did that thing, I just failed colossally. I mean, look at Howie Mandel, one of the most successful people in Hollywood. Guy's been in and around television since the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy has amassed gazillions of dollars and he does very well for himself and he's a really good businessman. But think of all the failures he had oh, on television in front of people. He had a show called How We Do It. How we do it, you know, how things are done. Colossal failure. I think he tried doing daytime television at one time, like like an Oprah-type show. And, and I could go on and on. He had failed, uh, 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 you know, uh, game shows. Mm -hmm. and, and those are the ones, when, when you sit around and have a scotch with that guy or a coffee, he, you know, we'll sit around and talk about those, all the failures. Well, those and are the not, lessons learned. Oh, Yeah. They mean more than anything else, you know? Well, I think so, that's the problem nowadays. There's too many people who are afraid to take the risks and are afraid to make the, the failures, and, and and they're not realizing what you're sharing with us right now, which is like, listen, if you guys aren't willing to take the risks, how the hell are you supposed to learn anything in life? The most powerful things I've ever learned are from the big mistakes that I've made. You know, when I was young, um, people would say to me, you know, learn from your failures. And I used to think to myself, why should I have to fail? I don't want to fail. fail you know. But it turns out that you fail anyway. And if you take lessons from that, you, you do learn. 
you know, and yeah, every failure brought me closer to a success. Um, there was a guy um, that I played college football with. Um, his last name um, was Ambrosia. I can't remember his first name. Um, not Ambrosia, Ambrose. And uh, I don't know why I can't remember his first name. But we would go out. And uh, we, would, uh, we would go out. You know, there were discos back there. We're talking 1980, 81. And, uh, of course, you, you're, you're in there and you're trying to pick up on chicks or at least make meet chicks that you can set up a date for later or whatever version of, you know, girls are out there trying to meet guys and guys are out there trying to meet girls. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, so you, it's, it's pickup joints for whatever, you know, people now swipe left and swipe right. We have to actually physically go to a place to meet people yeah, you have to get physically you know, rejected in, in person. Yeah, yeah <laughs> someone would tell you to your face, no. You know, um, which again, and, and I said to, to uh, Ambrose, he would, um, and this is going to sound horrible today, but we were down in New Orleans and he loved white women and he was a black guy. Mm-hmm. And I would say to him, you know, most of these women, you know, we're in the deep South. Most of these women, even if they want to be with the black guy, they're not going to show that in front of their girlfriends. You know, they're not they're not going to play that game. I said, wouldn't you be better off uh, or wouldn't we both be better off if we went to a black club? Because black women would be with the white guy. So I'm good. And uh, you would have a better chance. And he would say, no, I want to be with white women. I like white women. I like, you know, I went, okay. And he would, I would say, so you go through a lot of rejection. Every time we come to these clubs, you go through a lot of rejection. And uh, by the way, do I sound racist right now? Because I'm not meaning that. I'm just talking about no. the reality of what was going on. First of all, you're, we're all different generations. And I think a lot of people need to remember that as well is that, and, but the words you're saying and how you're saying it are not coming across racially at all. It's just, right. you're, you're just referring to a friend of yours and you. Right. And by you, the way, I, I'm a guy who's talking about hanging out with a black guy. That yeah. can't be racist, right? In the South, but mind you as well. So clearly, hey, Vinny had friends of other ethnicities in the most Southern U.S. Friends, <laughs> as it turns out, most of my friends are black. Um, because, I, you know, I, I don't know why we grew up in the South and there was a lot of black kids and they play sports and I play sports. So you end up hanging out. You have lifelong friends who happen to be black. And so I said to Ambrose, I said, look, let's just go to the black club, you know? And he was like, no, I want to be with, you know, I like white women. I like the way white women look, you know, I went, okay. I said, but you go through a lot of rejection. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but. He goes, let's say there's 150 women in this club tonight. I said, yeah. He goes, what do you figure? Maybe two, three, four of them would want to be with me? I said, maybe that, maybe more. He goes, it's just my job to find them. And the only way to find them is to be rejected over and over and over again. But in order to get to that success, and I took that lesson from him. It's like, yeah, not everything is a success in life. And as it turns out, not every chick in that club wanted to be with me right. at all. You know, uh, I, I had just as good a chance as he did. And there were probably two or three women who would go, yeah, he's kind of cute. I'd give him my number or I'd go do something with him in a parking lot or whatever version of that was in 1980. Mm-hmm. Right. 
but it was you had to go through all the failure. You had to hear no. You know, look, some nights you will get lucky. You will get a yes on time number three. But most of the time, it would be one o'clock in the morning, and you're still hearing no. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that there's different philosophical opinions on that, the dating game. Like, oh, man, if you're going to a club expecting to pick something up, then you should just automatically plan to fail. And I was like, oh, interesting. I mean, there's people, some people talk about that. They say, like, you give off a psychological vibe that, again, when I used to live in Arizona, there was, man, <clears throat> Scottsdale, man, that area – Pardon the term, full of douchebags, man. Uh, the ladies were would tell me that on a regular basis. Like that word was thrown around like crazy. I'm like, some people would say that's a swear word. I'm like, well, you know, shit's a swear word. I mean, douchebag. I guess there it's pretty common. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but were the guys douchebags or the women just thought they were douchebags? No, they were some straight up douchebags. I mean, as a guy, I'm like, man, you're pretty douchey. I mean, just. Yeah, you could. T the guy's in love with himself. He's like got cologne exuding from every pore. <laughs> oh, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I left the East Coast for a reason. Like, I was this when I was living in Arizona. My days off from firefighting. I'm like, man, you guys exist out here too. I thought this was just New York. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, New Yorkers, if you're listening. Not all New Yorkers are douchebags. Just the few that I've met in a club. So. I don't know how we got onto that subject, but we were talking about success and failure, and it seemed yeah. like the, the only viable way that you know we see instant success or instant failure, right? Because That's it. every time you you look as a breed, we want to procreate, um, and we're always looking for a special person. Uh, look, it took me. I was in. I was forty five or forty four when I met Serena. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a lifetime of trying to find the right person. I'm with you, and you and I are the unique. Uh, I don't want to call. Uh, you know what? We both could technically be considered alpha males, depending on the circles we we roll with. But I mean, the point here is that you and I don't want to procreate. <laughs> like you technically have a daughter through your relationship, but you don't have kids, and I don't have kids, so I just have no interest in it. I'd rather be the cool uncle. Yeah, I never wanted uh, kids. People always thought that was odd because you know my friends would say to me. You're so good with kids. Why don't you want kids? It's like, yeah, I love kids. I just never felt that paternal yeah. or that fraternal instinct. Same here. Where I stay my own kid. And then when Tallulah came into my life, you know, it was like, well, I'm in love with your mom. And uh, it doesn't seem like you're going to go anywhere for at least eight or nine years here. So I better get to know you really well. And it turns out she was a cool kid. And uh, I did some light parenting, um, but I didn't have to do any real parenting because her dad was so prevalent in her life. And Serena is such a great mom that she would come to me when she needed something, mm -hmm. you know, like she needed her parents to do something in her direction. She would look towards me and go, well, maybe I could get this guy to help me out, you know, and uh, but that, that was my extent of parenting, just going to Scott and Serena and going, Hey, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we can, uh, let Tallulah do it this time. And <laughs> yeah, what do you think? What uncle Finney's got to say? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it just goes to show though. I mean, think about it this way and, and don't get me wrong. There's some powerful parents out there that have launched very successful companies while raising children and growing a family, everything else. But the one advantage of your and my lifestyles is that, we do have we have the ability to create that freedom 
to ensure that our health and our fitness stay in alignment and we keep the healthy fit lifestyles. And then, oh, what the heck? Why not start a couple companies on the side too while we're at it? Because I can. <laughs> and I can't use yeah. the, the family as an excuse per se. I mean, you technically have a family, but it's like, well, I, I'm not the full-time parent all the time. She's still, she, like you said, her father's in his life. Like, hey, let's, 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 let's kick some ass. Let's see where this can go. Let's launch a couple companies. Well, look, for me, it wasn't, I didn't even think of it that way. Um, you know, uh, the only reason I even considered, you know, everything started with the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Dean said, you should write a book. You should write a book. And, and as I said earlier, it took him forever to convince me. And But when, once I started writing notes and it, be, it became, quote unquote, real or more real, right? Um, then I started looking around going, um, okay, now, you know, at some point I had like 40 something thousand words in notes. I think it was 44, 45,000 words in notes. I had essentially written a book worth of notes and I did them all longhand on, on legal pads. I had stacks of legal pads worth notes. And since I don't really know how to type, I would punch them in at night. Uh, into uh, Dean set up. A, I don't know how to use a computer still, <laughs> which is odd because I make my living on a computer. Um, but Dean came over and set up a Word Word document. Yep, is that what it's called? Yeah, Word documents. So, yeah, he said, "Look, every night, just take your two fingers that you type with and type your notes into this, and then after you collect them for a week or so, just send me the documents." Yep, it showed me how to do it. I had to, I actually had a note, kind of like these notes you see here, little sticky notes like this, you know, showing me how to get the Word documents to Dean because I would forget week in and week out. <clears throat> and um, we were having a scotch one night, and he said to me, hey, you know, you've written the 45,000 words of notes. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, well, you, basically you've written a book. And I said, well, what do I do now? And he goes, start turning it into a book. And I said, you know, when I wrote my last book, it was pretty succinct. It was a children's book. I could keep that straight. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, won't you come over to my house? Let, let's spend a few hours on a Sunday afternoon and uh, we'll get this rolling. All right. So I went over to his house and we worked for like five hours that first day. And we kind of created chapters. And the idea was that I was going to go off and now fill out these chapters from the notes And Dean said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, let's do this again. This was fun. And we did that every day, probably six days a week, some weeks, seven days a week for six months until we had the book Fitness Confidential. And, you know, with all of that time and all of that work, that's why when a book company came to me and said, yeah, let's just cut it in half. I wasn't willing to do it. It was too much work. No, there's been too much sweat equity put in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they didn't like the idea of that last chapter, you know, the lanyard. They're like, why don't you just make that another chapter? I was like, because I want to call it this. I want it to be a little something extra, just like we do in Louisiana. And, and that was the whole thing, Scott. I mean, we, we were just trying to to do something better. You know, um, the thing we didn't see happening was that the book would become this incredible success. No one saw that coming. 
we I, I certainly didn't. Um, and I don't think Dean did. We were hoping that we would make back the $15,000 we put up between us to get the book, you know, self-published. You know, um, be nice to we break even. Yeah. If, if we broke even, we considered that a success. If we made a dollar after that, we would have been like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, we didn't do a vanity press or anything. We did it all ourselves. We produced the whole book beginning to end. But, you know, doing the the. The audio book costs money. Hiring an editor costs money. Getting it formatted costs money. You know, it was all money out of our pockets. You know, both spent about seventy five hundred, maybe eight grand each. And uh, before we knew it, we had a company called Pistachio Press, and we had a book, and we put it out. And uh, that was the first success on the internet. And then that obviously triggered, well. You know, obviously your podcast started growing, which we've talked about on past podcasts too, but that it's kind of like what you just hinted at here, the whole, you didn't set out to do this, but then all of a sudden this happened. And then that's kind of some of the backstory on Pure Vitamin Club, I know, because obviously you knew about certain key, you know, vitamins and minerals that you were missing that you needed and you couldn't find the way you liked it, the pure perspective. So like, wait a minute, what if I made one? <laughs> well, that, that came out of, you know, for years, 25 years ago, I would talk to, you know, a lot of my clients were like captains of industry and that kind of thing. And I would say to them, look, you know, I want to make a better vitamin because even the ones that people are charging ridiculous amounts of money for, they have this stuff, all kinds of weird stuff in it. Oh, yeah. And I want to make a pure vitamin. And, you know, just like if you can make the best vitamin in the world, these, because I learned that these, you know, this stuff existed. You know, you could get this really pure stuff and all this stuff where you didn't have to add titanium dioxide and all this kind of stuff to it. And my clients would go, ah, yeah, and these are captains of industry. Some of them were Fortune 400 business owners. And they were like, oh, you got to go get shelf space, you know, you, you know, just to get, you know, the advertising, you know, just to get it in Walgreens around the country. Yeah, would if, cost you, if you want to do classic retail. Right. And that was kind of all that was available 25 years ago. And they were, oh, it would cost you $20 million if it cost you a dime, hmm. you know, and I would then I would just poo poo the idea. Um, and then when I started thinking about it again, after I had cancer, I, once you have cancer, you start looking at everything that goes into your body. Mm -hmm. And I started obsessing on titanium dioxide and, and uh, magne you know, magnesium stearate and you know, uh, silica and, and all those, you know, these, these excipients and flow agents. And I went, man, I, I wonder if I can sell vitamins the way I sold my book. Yep. You know, maybe, you know, since I've made a lot of money on my book, instead of, you know, buying a fancy sports car, or instead of, you know, you know, just wasting the money or just putting it into savings, because I've always put money into savings and the savings never really grow a whole lot. You know, I said, what if I just do this, this one little thing? Yeah. Uh, what if I take some of my money and do this? And uh, I decided to go for it. I quickly learned that I was way in over my head. <laughs> um, so I called my buddy, Andy Schreiber, who you interviewed last night. Oh, and yeah. I, I said, Andy, um, we're going to go into the vitamin business. And um, he, he didn't flinch. He didn't say, he just went, okay. 
he just said, okay, that's it. You want to invite him to visit? Let's, Let's be real. You also knew each other for a very long prior to that, a long time. You know, he was a, he's a fellow co-host on your podcast. You guys, yeah. you guys been at it for a while. I think you've built that trust. Yeah, we have a 26-year friendship, maybe 27 years at this point. Um, we've he was, been he's probably business. like, listen, if, if, if Vinny is going to launch a vitamin company, the way you've committed to everything else in your life, game on. doesn't sound like a bad thing for me either. Yeah, and Andy was shocked when I said, he goes, well, I guess you're coming to me to write a business plan. And I said, well, if you want to waste your time doing that, we can, but I'm not going after money, so... I don't have to impress anyone with the business plan. I'm going to finance this. And he, uh, there was silence on the other end of the phone. And he goes, you know, most businesses fail, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that. But we're not going to fail. We're not. We're going to put out the best product in the world. And we're going to do it just the way I did the book. We're going to start small. Uh, we're going to do this. And I know it's going to cost me a lot of money. And if I lose that money, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, um, you were willing to take that risk because it's something that meant a lot to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know there are other people out there like myself who don't want, you know, these excipients and flow agents and titanium dioxide and all this crap. And I said, you know, if I could just find like minded people, maybe I can sell enough of these to make it a go. Oh, hey, as, yeah. I, as I hinted, I'm one of your customers. And I already have a very high-end source of nutrition that I, I, I use and supplement with, but until learning from your podcast and learning the story behind Pure Vitamin Club, I never cared as much about those things until I got to learn about them. Like I am the health nut, and I'm like you. I bring on all the crazy biologists and everything else and all these people way smarter than you and I to help us learn and help our audiences learn, but I was like, oh, never thought about the flow agents before. Like I learned about it and then I was like, oh, well then as soon as that becomes real reality, I'm buying it. <laughs> and I've been ordering them ever since. Well, you know, what's weird is that uh, people always say this about a lot of stuff that I do, you know, with the NSNG and when I, when I educate people on, you know, the sad diet, the standard American diet and the amount of insulin you have pumping through your body just to handle that every day. Oh yeah. And I educate people on excipients and flow agents and titanium dioxide and magnesium stearate. Once you know this stuff, you can't not know it. Yeah. It's already in your brain. Yeah. And, you know, people ask me all the time, it's like, well, you can make a lot more money online if you wanted to. You can sell this and sell that, but you put a lot of stuff out there for free. It's like, yeah, I'm just trying to educate people. I, I do fine. Yeah. I'm not going to starve anytime soon. I'd rather help more people than charge for every little thing that I do. Um, even with the vitamins, I mean, we could probably double the price on all of it, right? Well, the other and, risk also is if you grow too fast, too quick, and you, you start having to make sacrifices like other past vitamin companies have. I'm sure there's other companies that try doing, maybe not at your level, but they try going the right way and then realize it was going to cost too much and start listening to some business advisor telling them, well, maybe you should try this or this to save a little bit and make more profit, right? Uh, I'll tell you this. There is not a bean counter alive today that would agree with the way we do business. Not one. If we had actual bean counter, if, if, if Andy and I were not the bean counters, the, you know, where we'll go, all right, we're going to go with this vitamin K2 versus the cheaper version. 
a bean counter would go, do you know what you would make per year, the money you're leaving on the table? Yeah, yeah, I know you think it's a penny per pill, but think of the number of pills you guys uh, sell per year. And think about this, and you are losing bazillions of dollars. You should put this other product, and guess what? That's what other companies do. They listen to their bean counters, yeah. and their bean counters are telling them, you're leaving tens of thousands or millions of dollars on the table. Uh, if you just did this one little move, you would make that much more money. Well, you see, the problem there is that's a short-term mindset, not a long-term mindset. You guys are literally building something bigger than just a company and a brand. You know, the same thing with Pure Coffee Club, too. It's like it, it's a pure business model, right? You're, this is yeah. more than just the product. <laughs> Yeah, the pro well, yeah, the the, the product you know, to us, you know, integrity is everything, you know, and you know, even you know, we haven't done this with coffee yet, but we don't have to. Um, but with well, actually, we did do it with the uh, the athletic blend. I'll tell you that in a minute. But um, we, our company, you know, they they have a GMP stamp, the Good Manufacturer Practice. Uh, they have two or three different stamps at their company that you can only get by being a reputable company. We literally, and they know we do this <clears throat> twice and sometimes three times a year, and it costs us tens of thousands of dollars to do this. We pull one of our bottles right out of the line. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know when we're doing it because we just order it. it. Comes to the house just like it would come to you or anyone else. We order it under a different name. We have a ship somewhere. We take that and we send it to a lab and we have it tested. Yeah, third-party yeah. testing. Yeah, we do our own third-party testing just to make sure nothing is contaminating what we're doing. And they know we do it. And um, the same with our uh, at purecoffeeclub.com. We guarantee that the athletic blend is going to have 55% more caffeine than uh, our regular blends. Which I absolutely Guess what? love. Oh, it, it, people love the athletic blend. You know, I, I had a little bit here tonight. When we first started talking tonight, I was drinking it. Um, well, it's, but, it's, it's, I'm three hours ahead of you. Normally I would be, uh, but actually I just finished uh, a giant mug of, uh, beef bone broth. So <laughs> Wait, no, I, I had that earlier when I was, uh, when I was talking to Anna, you know, because I have to slurp it during the show. Oh yeah. Um, but that athletic <laughs> is legit. I mean, the very first time I tasted it, I'm like, what'd they do? Lace it with espresso. <laughs> Cause I was like, Oh, it's got some kick. It does. And it doesn't give you the jitter. No, that's the cool thing. You know, it's just enough to get where you go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated to go work out now, but you don't get any of the jitters. And you guys didn't trash the flavor. Like a lot of these higher, these these products who claim higher caffeine, higher energy, it's, uh, the flavor's not there. The taste is, well, ends up being bastardized. Yeah, you can easily, anyone can get even 100% more caffeine than we put. Number one, you'll get the jitters. Number two, you're going to get a crappy cup of coffee because they're going to use cheaper Robusta beans. Yep. Um, the way we got to this flavor, I don't know if Andy talked about this when he was on, but there are actually good Robusta beans out there. He hinted at that last night. I didn't even know about the term Robusta. I mean, obviously, like here on the East Coast, Dunkin' Donuts is a, is a big name. You know, Starbucks is out here too, but Dunkin' Donuts was here right. first. But those are those, you know, mainstream coffees, so... They are. And, uh, you know, some of those uh, look like I think McDonald's now use like a cheaper 
Arabica bean and this and that because they're all advertising they have better coffee now. They're trying to get in. They're trying to chip into that Starbucks thing. With yeah, the, for some reason Arabica has a better reputation. I didn't. I've been picking up on that more. Yeah, it's more flavorful. But what we did was we mixed um, a small percentage of robusta beans, but we got high end robusta beans. It's a more robust bean anyway, um, and so we mixed that with the best quality Ethiopian Arabica beans with the ones with the high flavor. And we're able to come up with a very flavorful, flavorful coffee with some Robusta bean in it to give us that, that edge. And we thought that some of the coffee aficionados were going to go, this is bullshit. We get letters every day and it's like, Oh my God, how did you guys come up with this flavor? How did you guys do this? It's like it wasn't that hard. You, we just had to buy a higher quality bean, a much higher quality yeah. robust bean, and then mixed it with some of the best Arabica beans on the planet and uh, roast it correctly. And uh, well, again, you on, on your athletic, because I got your site up here right now, you got the you know your three primaries are walnut, earthy, dark chocolate, right? So great, yeah. great marriage. That's the flavor right there. Yeah, and that's kind of what you get from it when you taste it. It it really is a special coffee. It really is that good. Um, I, I know I'm talking about my coffee, but well, I it brought really, it up because <laughs> I, yeah. I want people to learn more about this. Like your your backstory is important. Getting to this point is important. But in the end, we're talking about part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you and Andy uh, was I, I'm a, I'm like you, man. I'm a health and wellness nut. And I'm always looking to hack. I know that's a term being probably used too much, but like hack ways to get back to the basics and get your body back to the basics. And like, okay, people are energy drinks out the freaking wazoo right now. And guys, those are just sugar bombs with chemicals in them. This is probably one of the most natural energy drinks on the freaking planet. And it's been around forever. It's freaking coffee. It's not more complicated than that. Yeah, I think if you if you take water out of the picture, it's the number one consumed beverage around the world. Um, it's actually unlike uh, drinking Rockstar, Red Bull, or anything like that—a five-hour energy. The difference is is that coffee is actually an antioxidant. Uh, there are studies now that show that you know one cup of coffee uh, per day can lessen uh, uh, the the effects of dementia. And uh, five or six other diseases. I can't remember them all right now. Uh, but if you, and it can lessen it by 12%. And if you move up to three cups a day, it can move it to 18%. Mm-hmm. So it's actually an antioxidant uh, and it's great for you. And um, it, it won't cause the same problems as some of this other stuff. So it's amazing that people would still drink any of that other stuff. It does surprise me. But again, that's just good marketing, and it's also they're tapping into. I love to bring a little psychology to this, just blatant laziness, right? It's easy to walk into a gas station or a corner store and just grab the the energy drink on the shelf and say, "Well, maybe I'll read the label, or maybe I'll just go with the one that I saw on the last Red Bull video, or you know, whatever." And it's like, well, guess what? While you're in that corner store or the gas station or whatever. You could have just went and grabbed a cup of coffee, but everybody's going to yeah. the energy drinks. You know, I, I've I've had exactly one energy drink in my life. Uh, it was after the 2005, I didn't talk about this in a book, 2006, 508. 
I failed in that race. Uh, my knee, I had a knee problem. I had to stop at around 350 miles. I remember that part. I know that story, but. Um, I had a, a, a knee injury and I had to stop, you know. And I remember uh, right when I got back on my bike after that, I was taking like an easy ride one Saturday. And one of the guys that would ride with us every now and then, towards the end of the ride, he would grab one of those things. And we were at a convenience store. I was filling up my water. It was really hot. And I said, yeah, I can't believe you would even put that in your body. He goes, you know, you always knock me. You've, you've never tried one. You've never had any of it. You, I said, you know what? Grab me one. Let me try it. And I drank one of these Red Bulls. It was uh, the non-sugar version. That's the one he grabbed for me. And I remember we were riding down the road about 20 minutes later, and I got agitated. I didn't even I didn't feel energy. I didn't feel better. You're edgy. Agitated, and he said something, and I went, "You're a fucking idiot." No, what are you talking about? And he said something else, and all of a sudden, a couple of guys on a bike ride I was like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "I'm just, I, I feel like I'm jumping out of my skin. I feel agitated. I don't know what's going on." And they went, "Oh, that's the Red Bull." I went, "Oh, this is how you're supposed to feel." Yeah, that's really sad when they actually like, "Oh, they knew exactly what that was." <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Oh, wait, you know this, and yet you guys still consume them." Yeah, it was crazy. And, and, you know, I was like, yeah, make sure I never have another one of those ever. Yeah, I, and, I'll, and I'll admit it. It's been a few years for me. I think the last time I've had them was 2011. when I was, That was my last year doing the wildland firefighting. And when the fire season would end, we'd get laid off come like October. And I'd, you know, I got to be, you know, bounce around, you know, federal layoff. It's great. So I'd come back to the East Coast and I would try and like make up as much time on the road. So I'd just be cruising cross country. So yeah, when I would try to put in a few extra hours driving, I made the mistake of either going with coffee and or Red Bull. And the problem with those things is because of the sugar, even if it is sugar free, well, let's be real, there's, they're substituting something else in there. But the crashes coming off of those things, oh my God, like I, really? I think I was actually more unsafe driving on a Red Bull because when those things finally like pass through your system, uh, oh my God, my brain was fried. It was, it was, I, 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 I do not miss them at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't imagine after having one, having another one, you know, uh, yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. Crazy. And the sad part is people are chaining them because of the, uh, we've talked about this before, the whole leptin and ghrelin and the hormonal impacts and, 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 you know, sugar in your system, et cetera. Like it's, you know, you're crashing, you're burning through it. You got to get it back in your system. Uh, nowadays, if I was, if I had to do that trip all over again, and uh, cause I'm a fellow lover of Villa Capelli, like I'd be doing shots of olive oil and, and getting some fats in my system and drinking some good old coffee. And that's it. And by the way, that works like a charm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Trust me again. You've got me hooked on that. I did it this morning. I woke up, I was still in a fasted state and I'm like, I, I need to earn my food. So I went to the gym first and worked out. And all I did was have a shot of, uh, of olive oil. But before I chugged a you know, a couple of big glasses of water, ran to the gym and I was working out with the CrossFit gym owner. We were doing uh, deadlifts and, and, and pull-ups and then went and did the actual workout, which was uh, a 1500 meter row a uh, hundred double under uh, jump up, jump ropes, and then a thirty calorie on the assault bike, and then another uh, hundred double unders on the jump rope, and then a fifteen hundred meter row again. That was the actual workout. So, but again, no food. I just 
<laughs> it was it was this morning. I was just, hey, I woke up. I was good. I had plenty of energy. Did a shot of olive oil. You know, then I ate my bacon and eggs afterwards. So, Yeah, and by the way, I, I see uh, so-called trainers on the internet, and they write stuff all the time, you know, the bro science stuff. And they go, hey, anyone who tells you you can do anything without sugar, it's not true. They're lying to you. It's not true. So basically, they're saying that what you did this morning is a lie. Hmm. Uh, so I guess you know, I, I guess I never actually did it, right? Right. <laughs> and by the way, I, I do the same thing all the time. I I'll eat, you know, two eggs with two extra yolks, and go off to the gym, squats, leg press, deadlift, you know, hit the rowing machine, you know, all this stuff. I'll go for two hours, and then walk out of the gym, go on with my day. You know, might have lunch at one or two in the afternoon. It's like no sugar. No, yeah. nothing. Well, then you got, yeah. uh, what's his yeah. name? He just had on your show, uh, Dr. Sean Baker. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to get him on my show. Like that dude, like he'll hold down two steaks. There's no, there's no fruit. There's no vegetables there. He's on that whole crazy meat craze. And I'm like, and my, my fiance, she's just like, maybe you, sh are you following his diet? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, it sounds like he's just like you. Cause I just eat a ton of meat and, 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 and bacon and, and steaks and stuff. But I do eat my vegetables too. So I'm not full Sean Baker. <laughs> yeah, I think Sean's just doing it for a period of time to prove that it can be done. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's not saying that you're supposed to eat meat all the time. But he said when he was on my show, uh, yeah, I'm just doing this for the time being. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's kind of doing his own like N1 experiment to see what happens, I think. Yeah, I think it's not like an N350 because he found <laughs> 350 other crazy people to do it with him. Yeah. Someone told me that he said the other day on, on another podcast that probably the middle ground was to follow me and, and SNG and all that. And I was like, well, it was very nice of you, Sean. Thanks. It's very nice. Now, yeah. now, does he support coffee too? Do you know? Did he mention that at all? Because I don't remember hearing that in the podcast. I don't know. I really don't know. Oh, I, I didn't ask him. You got to send him some of that athletic blend, man. Uh, he, he's, he's good enough. He doesn't I need know. any. I saw his rowing, his, his row time for a 500 meter row. I was like, okay, he crushed that. Yeah. It's like, he's trying to break the machine. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I like the rowers too much. I don't want to, I don't want to assault them that bad. So, yeah. He, um, I mean, it looks like he's about to bend it into a pretzel when he does it. Well, he's not a small man either. I mean, he's got some solid mass to him. Yeah. He, he's a big dude. Yeah. You could tell that he doesn't do what you and I do. He's not getting on a road bike and crushing some miles. So no, no, no. he's not spinning it out. <laughs> no, no, but, uh, well, I mean, so, so just to, just to help our listeners understand a little bit further here on the pure coffee club, we've already hinted about the athletic blend. I've already, I'll be airing Andy's episode before you, but uh, long story short, you kind of already hinted at from pure vitamin club. You just decided to make something that you knew that you wanted that's what I get out of it. Like, you know what? Vinny wanted this. Why not do it? Do do it that no one else is doing it, right? Like, finally make it the right way. And that's what I'm getting out of the new Pure Coffee Club because I finally finished my samples that Andy had sent me. I was traveling in Africa for a couple of weeks, so I wasn't able to finish all the coffee. So now that I'm back, I, I ripped through the last of it. So now I can't wait to actually order some and get some in, like, real bags versus your cool Ziploc sample bags I got them in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the honey process, man, that blew my mind. I never even knew what the hell honey process was. It, that's the best part. Like I keep learning new shit from you just from trying new products. <laughs> so it's been great. I'm like, oh, great. And now I know what honey process is. You know, the way honey process came about, <clears throat> uh, I don't know if Andy had mentioned this, but I was literally, like I do everything else, I, I, I learned coffee. 
I, I've been a coffee freak since I was four years old. I know that sounds weird, but that's a fact. Yeah, wasn't it uh, brown milk or something like that? Yeah, I would I would tell my mom the milk is white. I, I want the brown milk <laughs> because my grandfather was sneaking a little coffee in my milk for me. It's old Italians, and that's what they would do. And uh, so the only way I would drink my milk is if it was brown. <clears throat> and I didn't want chocolate milk. I wanted uh, coffee. And I think they used to put a little sugar in there for me, too. Well, they, so, yeah, back coffee, then. Milk and sugar. And it was hot. You know, it wasn't cold. Um, but when I started into the coffee business, it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, hey, we're going to do pure coffee. I went out and bought a roaster. And I started sourcing green beans from around the world. I still have green beans here. You know, yeah, aren't here. you roasting on your front porch or something? Uh, yeah, because I coffee makes a lot of smoke. So I, here, I'll show you this. Uh, your audience is going to love this. I still have these beans. Actually, some of them are starting to look old now. Uh, I have tons of, uh, you can see this. Can you see what I have here? These are green beans. Yeah. There's labels on the other side. I don't want you to get pictures of the labels. No, um, no, no, that's fine. I just, because I'll, um, I'll, I'll share this in your community. So yeah, all, all I see is plastic. That's fine. But uh, these beans uh, on the front, they, they let me cover, cover up the label of the people who were sending it to me. So they would come like that. And, uh, you know, the label tells you where it came from, which farm, you know, where they came from, the Terzu region of, of uh of uh, uh, Costa Rica, Costa Rica or, Guatemala, whatever. Yeah, Guatemala, you know, or uh, you know, Zimbabwe or Africa or Ethiopia or wherever. And um, I would sit there and you know just start roasting up, you know, single roast, single origins, and then writing down notes of what I came up with, and then going, hmm, I wonder if I mix a little bit of that with a little bit of this. But every now and then I would come up with this coffee, which I had tasted a few times before in my life. Um, I would come up with um, like this this weird, it almost tastes like the aftertaste was like brown sugar on the back of my mouth. Which you would definitely yeah. notice since you're sugar free. So, Of course. Now, it, it would remind me, it was like, God, you know, it, it didn't taste sweet. It was just like, you know, it was the flavor of what brown sugar would taste like on the back of your throat. And it was very, very, it was just very pronounced. Uh, and when Andy was in Costa Rica talking to some of the farms, whenever I had a chance, I would send Andy out so I wouldn't have to go anywhere. And um, because I'm busy here running all this. And we were talking about different things. And he was in a room with this guy from one of the big coffee companies and he, uh, I said, ask that guy about the brown sugar. There's a coffee. I can't, I tasted it. You know, one of the green beans last week, it had that taste. And then I, I used it all. I can't find another green bean that has that taste. And he goes, do you still have the uh, package that it came in? And I said, yes, I do. You know, with all that writing on the front. And I told him what it was and where it was from. And he goes, oh. Oh, you got a hold of some uh, honey process. Hmm. And I said, what's that? He goes, it's where they leave a little bit of the mucilage on the, uh, you know, because coffee, the beans are basically the pit yeah. of the fruit. And, and, and most coffees are washed. Right. And this is less than unwashed. I mean, some are unwashed, but this is even a version beyond that, where they leave a little bit of the fruit on there and it dries on there. Now, there's no sugar in it. 
but it gives it this complex flavor. And uh, I was able to uh, secure uh, several thousand pounds of it uh, to start the, uh, the, uh, the honey process. Now, when this runs out, I was able to get 500 more pounds. Andy just told me that. When this Costa Rican honey process finishes, I've already secured some from Ethiopia. That's supposed to be even better. So we're going to have the honey process year-round. And uh, people are freaking out over it. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I've never tasted coffee like this. So that's kind of neat. Hmm. Well, it's, like I said, the flavors are second to none. That's one thing that I stand out. Like, I mean, besides the fact also knowing that you guys aren't messing around, you're purposely sourcing stuff for pure quality. You've already proven that with the first brand of Pure Vitamin Club, so I knew that you were going to take that into this. Um, and again, just the education uh, to our listeners, guys. I'll try and I'm going to try and embed some of your YouTube content into the blog post for this episode because I think it's important people see your YouTube channel because you're 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 adding education. That's I think another big important piece. Like the vitamin company, you're teaching us about fillers and all the crap that goes into some of the other bad bad vitamins. Now with coffee, you're teaching us that hey man, like actually I have no problem ripping on Starbucks. I'll rip on them for you. Like. That coffee is not the cleanest coffee. <laughs> we'll just say that. Well, you know, uh, you know, Starbucks, um, they, they deserve a lot of credit because, you know, they, they were, you know, uh, it used to be a guy like me would have to go search out good coffee, not to, not to end up with truck stop style coffee, right? If you didn't make it at your house, you were, you were beholden to, you know, AM, PM or 7-Eleven or wherever else you stopped. And it was all crappy coffee. Right. And Starbucks gave the world an opportunity to taste a better coffee. Now, the problem with Starbucks and Pete's and coffee bean and tea leaf is these are big companies now. And they have to secure so much coffee. We're in that game now, too. We have to secure coffee ahead of time. We, we need to buy into the future. Mm-hmm. Right. We're only buying six months into the future, maybe eight months. Starbucks, they have to secure so much coffee to keep their Pikes brand and their this brand yeah, and their consistent oh. flavors. Right. So they're buying five and six years into the future. And what if there's a drought or what if there's too much rain or what if there's a bad crop? They're getting what they get. So what they have to do in order to make any of that taste anywhere near decent is they have to they have to burn the coffee more they have to make everything like a dark roast yep. you ever notice sometimes you go to starbucks it tastes good but it tastes a bit burnt yeah they oh yeah they over roast the crap out of their beans yeah it, that's how you hide negatives yeah i you purposely know? when i'm there i'm usually only getting um like a breve latte once in a while which is an espresso bean anyway and it's a breve because I want the richer fat content. So you're using half and half in the latte process. So right, no sugar and added. Just to educate your audience a little bit, there is no such thing as an espresso bean. It's just an overly roast, very oily. You know, you take it way past second crack to where the oil comes out. Okay. Uh, a, a double roasted, like like a, a double French roast is just as oily as an espresso bean. Hmm. The only difference is espresso is a process. Um, of pushing nine bars of, of, of energy through, you know, steam through the coffee. Right. So 
by definition, a darker bean has less caffeine because you've burned some of it off. Hmm. You, know, you got to that real oily. And by the way, I love oily beans. I love a good dark espresso type bean or French roast bean. Um, but the way they get the caffeine out of it is they're pushing steam through it at a pressure. And that's what's drawing out that heavy, oily flavor. That's why you get that that crema. You know, you're getting that oh, yeah. nice oil on top and you're getting this incredible flavor. And there, there's a I have a real love for espresso. It re, again, it reminds me of college, reminds me of New Orleans. Uh, that's when I first learned in 1980. I learned about espresso. It was kind of new to this country. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I uh, my first real espresso was when I went to Ireland in 2010, and then a few weeks back we just got back from South Africa, and they're obviously influenced by you know uh, the French down there and the French like wine valley, and obviously the English because sure. of of you know South Africa. So there, I was getting espressos all over the place; they were amazing. Yeah, you know New Orleans, you could get good ones. Italy, you could get a good one. France, you could get a good one. And, you know, certain places where there are influences, like uh, you, you were there yeah. and you were able to get good ones. It, it's, really, it's really a tough thing to get a good pour, a good pull of espresso. Um, but people that know how to do it can do it well. Um, I can do it on the stove with a little, um, you know, a little espresso pot. Uh, if you pack it correctly and do it right, you can get a pretty good pour. Um so, yeah, I, I do that kind of thing all the time. Uh, you don't need to have a $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 machine. No, I think you, I've heard you mention before. What's the unit you use? Use the, um, is it that okay. tall silver one? Yeah, it, it is. It's made of uh, stainless steel. Yeah. Uh, I would have to get up and go get it. It's not a big deal. Right now, The only, one of the few personal takeaways, sorry, audience, I need something from me too out of any here, is... I know you're also all about the proper grind when you grind the beans because one thing I appreciate is you guys are shipping them whole. I know technically you can order them already ground up too, but I want the freshest bean and I want to grind it fresh. So um, I've not, I need to pick up a new grinder. So I was wondering if there's any kind of special tips you have on proper grinding. Uh, at the very least, uh, you don't have to spend all the money in the world on a grinder. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you don't want a blade grinder. You want a, a burr grinder. Oh. Um, because with a blade, I mean, you, you buy a blade grinder for 30, 40, 50 bucks, and you could get a, 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 a fairly decent burr grinder for the same price. A burr grinder is where you have a bunch of gears, where the, the coffee gets crunched by the gears. So you get a very consistent. So once you have your, ground, uh, your grinder set to how big you want each, being to be ground to, yeah. you you can uniformly grind to that. Perfect, because I'm a French press guy. I do a lot of. I mean, that's pretty much all the only way I do make my coffee at the house right now is French press. Yeah, and, and and if you every morning, if you just got there with a blade grinder, some mornings you'll get it tighter than other mornings. Yes, I've noticed that some, depending on the grind, I'll get like a lot of pass through. So you end up getting a lot of. I, I call it cowboy coffee. You got a little grit in there. I don't mind yeah. it because that's how we had it when I was fighting fire, but I'm used to it. But some people may not like that. <laughs> so it's, it's getting through the screen on the, on the French press, probably because I, over, I overground it. Yeah, with the French press, you want the water to sit with the coffee for about four minutes. Not about. You want it to sit for exactly four minutes. You want to have the proper amount of coffee in there. And you want to have it at a, you know, just a little finer than medium. 
And using a burr grinder is, is the best way to do that um, because you'll have uniformity. Uh, if you go too fine, you'll get the silt pushed through. Um, so it's something I tell people, you might not get it right the first, second, or third time, but by the end of the week or the end of that bag of coffee, you'll, you'll have it down to where you want it to be. And then you're, you're kind of set for life. Mm. You know, and then you'll find out, oh, my Cuisinart drip machine makes coffee like this, and it likes a little coarser ground. So you learn how to set your burr grinder for that and so on and so forth. Uh, I use uh, a burr grinder by a company called Orphan, uh, and it's called the Lido 2. Uh, it, 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 the drawback is that it's a hand grinder. So you have to sit there and, and actually do a little exercise. It takes about two minutes, a minute and a half to grind it yourself for a full pot, of course. Um, yeah, but I'm doing that with a blade grinder. Well, maybe it's only like 45 seconds, but who cares? So I'm doing that yeah, now. I'm walking around the kitchen anyway, and I'll just grind some up and put it in the machine. No big deal. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I like the burr grinders because of consistency. Uh, can I ask you this? Is there a situation where we could take a quick break and come right back? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're also approaching the end, too, so it's really up to you, Vinny. I mean, I know you got a lot going on, so we've already you know, put out a great show today. I don't want to take any more time because you got a lot more going on. Wait, hang on. Just put the tape on hold, if you yeah, don't mind. I can do that. And we're off pause. It was like it never happened. Right. <laughs> Technology is cool. amazing. Yeah. You see, I can never do that. I always have to do my shows straight through. I have no idea how any of it works. We just roll with it. Yeah. I, I just recorded with a gentleman, actually. Uh, and I always get your approval first now, but I got a new uh, PhD for your show. So. Oh, good. He's actually a best-selling author, too. So. Who is he? His name is Isaiah... Hankel, H-A-N-K-E-L. You ever hear yeah. of him? No. He, he authored the book uh, uh, Black Hole Focus. Um, obviously, a book on getting people to focus. He's he's a his background's in biology and cellular health, uh, and then he's just transformed all of his background into focusing on obviously mental performance and all kinds of stuff. So he 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 said he started his career literally targeting that type of education towards the the fitness sector and mindset, but now he's gone way beyond that. He travels around the world. He's probably spoken at over 300 events. And I was like, I got a guy for you. I was like, Vinny will geek out with you. <laughs> um, can you do me a favor? Can you write a note to send me his information around the 5th or so of January? Uh, yeah, I can put a reminder in my calendar. Because that way, because I know you're about to head out. So I know if I send it to you tonight, it might get lost in the shuffle. It, it might. It's not that it might get lost. It will. It will get lost. <laughs> You got a lot going on because you're. What's your trip coming up now? You're heading to. Um, are you guys, uh, are you guys on a coffee trip yet? Uh, I'm. I, I go Louisiana, uh, and then I'm back in LA only to repack and hop on another plane. Right, because aren't Angie and you going on a little coffee journey? Yeah, that that's the third trip. Then I, I oh. go to Europe for uh, two weeks, and then I'm back. And uh, when is the show coming out? Do you know? Uh, actually, you might be. I just had to bump somebody out uh, to help with a book launch. So I might be moving up sooner. So you might be coming out in the next couple of weeks, actually. I'm not as far out as you are. Because uh, I, lo I lost two weeks of recording when I was in Africa, obviously. So I, yeah. yeah. The later you can put me, the better, if you don't mind. Okay. I can note that, too. 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm doing uh, Louisiana, Europe, and then Costa Rica. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be, be moving around a lot. It's just the way we roll around here. Well, at least you know how to fuel your body, put the right vitamins in you, and, well, I don't know if you can really travel. I guess you could travel with coffee. I don't know how that would work, but you're going well, well, to well, be in Europe. That coffee's great over there. Yeah, Europe has great coffee. Costa Rica has great coffee. And Louisiana has great coffee. So, And by the way, my parents already have all of my coffee there. So Nice. Yeah, I can, I'll just go visit them, and my coffee's already there. I was going to say that's kind of a smart move. I mean, it is your home away from home, so you, yeah. you want to hook up the family first. Yeah, I got it all set up down there. <laughs> smart move, smart move. Are you taking the vet out there or no? No, I'm, I, I'm flying. Oh, you're flying. I'm about to drive, but yeah, this time of year, there's always uh, ice going through Texas. You know, you can have ice storms and everything. Hell, it snowed, it snowed in Louisiana last week. Louisiana yeah. gets snow? Like once every 15 years. Okay. Well, I mean, we already had our first snow this weekend. I was... Um... Uh, a friend of mine is Valerie Pawlowski. She's a world champion kettlebell athlete. So yeah. another person I could always get you on your show. She's launching a new brand here in the States called Kettlebell Sport USA because the sport of kettlebell really hasn't come here to the States officially, like hardcore. Apparently it's huge in every other country. So, uh, But she's on Team USA. So she's a TM, wow. Team USA listed athlete. She's a master of sport in kettlebell at age of 53. And she just won like four medals in Seoul, South Korea. Um, the What's girl, her name? Her name is Valerie. Hang on. Oh. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Hang on. You know, I'm a little slow when it comes to this. Uh, Your audience is going to love this. I'm just, hey, what's this guy doing? All right, give me her name. Valerie. So V-A-L-E-R-I-E. And then it's Pol <laughs> Polowski. I'm actually messaging you her name right now. So it's p a w l o w s k i dot com. It's a heck of a spelling. All right, let's see what she's doing. But her website is her name. It's valeriepolowski dot com. So yeah, I'm looking at her right here. Uh, she looks familiar to me. She's from New Jersey. Yeah, she well, man, this woman's in incredible shape. Yeah, yeah, I, lean and mean, I, man, lean and mean. I've seen stuff on her before. Uh, I don't know how or where someone sent me something or something with her before. Well, I mean, she's trained with all those, all those like, uh, you probably have heard all these different world-class, world-renowned Russian certification coaches in the sport of kettlebell. So, um, but she was actually, so she was competing again this weekend. I was out hanging with her Saturday um, in New Jersey at a competition where there was people there from like Vegas and Russia and all kinds of people competing right in New Jersey. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool, man. Yeah. You know, she, uh, you know, more power to her. She's uh, she's about my age. I'm 55. I love when I love when older athletes are doing stuff. Yeah, that I means yeah, because like the fact is, she's still a competitor. She spent she spent all this year still traveling around the world and competing. I mean, she's won in Germany. She's won all over the place. Like I said, Team USA athlete, man. Um, but now she's finally taken all that experience and all the medals and saying, wait a minute, you know, I've I've taken all this time, my whole career building this. Like, let's finally start building something from an educational perspective. Because uh, she said there's a chance. Um, she said when she was in Seoul, South Korea, that there were some people there from the Olympic Committee, like, just kind of sitting around watching. So there's some rumors that 
this might be one of the new sports that they might, we, even though it's an old sport, <laughs> right. but it's a, it's, I mean, the, the competitions they do, you swinging or, or clean and jerking kettlebells, you know, for 10 minutes straight, like as many reps as you can get in 10 minutes. Like that's how they compete. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That is nuts. Yeah. So it was a very educational experience. She wants to start training me. <laughs> I told him like, I, I love trying new things. I'll, I'll jump on board and try it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, she's got her own comp coming up in June. She's going to launch her first own competition in June for these athletes, and uh, she wants me to get on the podium. She she wants to train me to get ready for that. Well, uh, you should, you know, why not? I mean, that's how I look at it. You know, it's yeah. You know, look, it's kind of like this thing I'm doing with um, uh, with uh, the kayak. You know, I know nothing about a kayak. Um, do, do you know my story about that? Uh, I know the gentleman who helped build it for you and, and that whole, cause I, I listened to every, obviously, you know me, man, I tweet every podcast you put out. So <laughs> I listened to all of them. Uh, but I, I forget why you get, became geeking out. Was it for the shoulder or is it because you've always wanted to get better at kayaking? Well, it, it, you know, I can only get better at kayaking because, uh, I've never known how to kayak. Hmm. Um, so getting better at it is, is, uh, is easy, right? Um, um, I, I had said on the show like five years ago that I wanted to kayak down the bayou that I grew up on. Oh, that's right. Yes. I do remember you talking about that. Yeah. And, you know, so that, that was kind of the start of it. And. One thing led to another, and I, I couldn't really do it. My shoulder was really screwed up. You know, I had the, the world's worst shoulder. Dude, you had bone on bone, man. Yeah, and it, it, I couldn't even lift it to shake someone's hand. And not only that, but I started looking around Southern California, and believe it or not, unless I go in the ocean, none of these little private lakes will allow you in. And they have good reason for not allowing people in. So I, I went, well, you know, the shoulder, and I can't get into these lakes, so I'm not going to do it. Well, my shoulder is a, a gazillion percent better. It's not perfect, but it's good, right? right? And I started looking around thinking, I need to celebrate the fact that I have my shoulder back. And, you know, because now, I mean, look, two years ago, I couldn't even bench press a bath towel. And I'm not being funny. I was trying to get a bath towel up five times off of my chest and that was you know i didn't have that kind of strength well that was your range of motion right or it was well, literally strength related after the surgery oh, after, after the surgery yes because these muscles had not been used for 20 some odd years so the brain lost connection with the muscle mm -hmm. if that makes any sense at all that's last lack of programming right so I had to re it's like when, when, you know, someone with a brain injury, we have to teach you how to walk again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had to do that. And, uh, and now, you know, it's still not a lot of weight, but now I can bench press, uh, last two nights ago, I bench pressed, um, 165 pounds twice. Wow. So that's a far cry. I know you're laughing and I'm going, I warm up with that. No, because remember, if you don't remember, I've had my shoulder rebuilt twice, not at your level, but I've yeah. had, uh, I'm like between you and a, a standard rotator cuff. I have what's called an open bank cart reconstruction because I tore my labrum and everything. 
So yeah. they had to literally surgically reattach my tendons and stuff and my ligaments. So I was, I would dislocate and the shoulder would end up down on the pec. So, right. yeah. Right. Well, so now I'm all fixed and I can lift a little weight. I can do pull-ups again and all this stuff. And I was on the Adam Carolla show one day and he goes, well, Hey man, you know, he just blurted out. He goes, what's your next thing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, what are you doing? Are you doing any events? And it's funny because people had been saying, well, Vinny doesn't do any long distance events anymore. And that's been on my mind. So I said in that moment, I said, yeah, I'm going to kayak down the bayou I grew up on. It's 100 miles and I'm going to do it nonstop. And I'm going to do it NSNG style. I'm just going to do high fat and get down that bayou and prove it can be done. And it's going to be a celebration for my shoulder and getting my life back. And uh, that was that. And once I said it in front of a million people on his show, literally a million people, I came home that day and said, okay, I now must go and figure out how to do this. Yeah. And that was the beginning. That That's how I started. And that's, uh, you know, a Stellar Kayak has given me a kayak, which is nice. Oh, I didn't know they gave you a kayak already, too. I knew you had a oh, trainer. Yeah. I have the kayak uh, in my yard. Um, Sweet. And, uh, you know, paddles. They gave me these really nice carbon fiber paddles. And, you know, another company has given me dry suits and wetsuits and all this stuff. So I'm fully equipped to work out. Uh, and then Stellar got me in touch with this guy, uh, Ben Lowry, um, who's a British guy who lives about six hours north of me. So uh, my kayak was with Ben. I went up north a few days ago, and Ben took me out for three days. And it was funny because the guy, it was amazing. He spent all day with me for three days, and I'm like, this guy's an amazing coach. Does he do this for a living? I mean, I, I, I just knew he, was a, uh, I knew he was a rep for Stellar Kayaks, which right. is a high-end kayak. Is he like a former pro? Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, in the kayak community, I was talking to this other guy, Chuck, who's the stellar rep on the East Coast. And he goes, what do you think about Ben? I said, man, the guy is a great coach. He goes, well, he should be. He's probably the best in the world. He's one of the best coaches out there. Hmm. Um, and he teaches people for competition, you know, for you know, speed kayaking and all this stuff. The guy was ranked at one time. And he's just this unassuming 52-year-old guy from England. Um, but boy, does he know his stuff. And he gave me enough tools to come home and practice on this. Uh, I went over to Tallulah's dad's house. I put my kayak at his pool and I hooked it to bungee cards so that I can work on technique in the kayak, in the pool. Uh, I have another guy who works for Stellar down here, a guy named Matt, who's going to go out in the water with me a few times and show me some routes within the marina so I don't have to go out into the open water yet and in, into the Pacific. You know, there's two miles here, three miles there where I can go back and forth. But eventually uh, I'm going to start doing big, long days on Saturdays. And uh, I'm digging it. You know, that's, you know, and I, I, through Stellar Kayaks, I have some of the best coaches in the world. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Stellar uh, USA Team National Technical Rep. I'm on their website, so <laughs> I found, is that, I found him. is that who Ben is? Yeah, 
I'm on their website. He, uh, the, he's literally listed one of only five or six people here on their, on their about page. Like he's one of the key yeah. people mentioned on here. I, I've never gone to Stellar Kayaks yet. How, how weird is that? <laughs> well, apparently he's paddled for more than 40 years and instructed for over 30. So you found the right guy. Yeah, and, and it's very when you when you're with this guy, you realize you're in uh, you're 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 in the presence of greatness. Mm -hmm. I'm looking it up right now. Let's oh, see. he's apparently a coveted instructor. Um, yeah, Stellar Kayak USA Yeah, Stellar Kayaks USA .com, plural, and he's under the about page. It's awesome. He's like, there's a woman on there, a couple other guys on there, but he's the, here we go, the coveted instructor and presenter. He teaches. Wait, wait, I'm, not, I'm, I'm on a Stellar team. What is it, Stellar? Where did you go to, Stellar USA? Or Oh, I went to the main StellarKayaksUSA.com, and then in the toolbar, I just clicked on, I just clicked on about Stellar. Oh, yeah, here he is, here he is. Yeah. That's the and I, I didn't even use any of the subheadings. I just clicked on the main about Stellar, and, and he was there. Uh, yeah, he, I, and by the way, you want to talk about a fit dude? You can just tell on his neck. I don't. Know, he looks like a lean and mean fighting machine. Yeah, and when he's not kayaking, he's big into cycling, and that's all he does all day long. If he's not in a kayak, he hops on his bike and just goes hammer. Yeah, yeah. that's his life. Yep. See, <laughs> he helps beginners to advanced paddlers from touring to sea kayaking, like you're saying, to racing slash surf skiing because that's a thing yeah. you can surf ski oh yeah they, they had me as a matter of fact um they gave me my kayak uh to come back with and they also put on top of my truck a surf ski to give to this guy matt down here Jeez. and um someone told me that the kayak they gave me is like this fifty five hundred dollar kayak Oh, good kayaks are not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. And by the way, this thing—it's—it's it's 18 feet long, and it's—it's uh, um, it's, you can twirl it on your finger. It's like 30 pounds. You lift it up with one hand. Yeah. You know, it's—it's it's crazy what it is. Oh, the engineering you know? that they're putting into watercraft these days is uh, amazing. I used to have some high-end canoes hanging in my garage because friends of my fiance's family own one of the best like sporting goods stores and they in this area until all the big chains moved in so they sold and now they're just living in idaho like hanging out working for ski resorts but uh they took all their they came back every year and, and every trip back to idaho they'd pick up another boat another kayak another canoe and, like the one canoe was all carbon fiber i was like what uh, this is ridiculous so it's impressive yeah. This thing, I'm looking at the one right now for the first time. I'm on their site for the first time. Um, their performance, I, I, I have mine is under touring, performance touring. The one I have is called the Asses and Sam, AT&Rs and Ricky. Yep, um, which is what he recommends. It's actually in, in his write-up. They have that S18 listed as one of the two key models, as the S18R and the ST21. He helped with the development of those exact models. Yeah, and now he's developing a new model. Like he was telling me, that they're coming up with a new model that's even more radical than these. You know, and this boat for a guy like me, you know, I'm I'm a brand new paddler, and um, this boat is way tippy for a guy like me. 
Oh yeah, it's, yeah, these are lean, man. You said you have the Stellar. You have the, do you have the racer or the touring? I have the S eighteen R, which is that's the racing. Under, yeah, it, it's the R stands for racing. Jesus. It's a touring race boat. I'm looking at it right now for the first time. The ultra woven. Da, da, da. Yes, fifty three hundred bucks. Someone the, told me it was about fifty five hundred. The beam is only twenty point nine inches. You're less than two feet across. Right. Yeah. It's it's tiny. Wow. If you the problem I was having was staying upright. Yeah. You know, uh, I spent the first two days going, whoa, whoa, you know, and by the third day I started getting it. And then finally, by the third day, when I started getting it, I was able to act, actually look like I knew what I was doing a little bit. Then he goes, okay, we need to teach you how to fall out of this boat and rescue the boat. Yeah. So we spent the rest of the day literally flipping the boat over and getting back in and yeah, I have friends of mine here that are hardcore uh, whitewater kayakers, and that's that's drills that they're constantly going through all the time. These guys compete, so they do. I mean, obviously, this is the shortest kayak you could possibly find because they're yeah. doing the flips and the back rolls and crazy stuff underwater. And I'm like, you guys are. I thought I was an adrenaline junkie. That's a whole different level. Yeah, it's. Uh, we didn't do any Greenland style rolls or anything, but he showed me how when the boat flips over, get out. Uh, we, he had me swim it to shore two or three times. And then uh, he said, look, you won't get this, but you might as well try it, where you flip it over while you're still out in the middle of the water and then, you know, do a rescue, you know, get back in the boat, in the water. And I was able to do it, which was shocking to me because um, I didn't think I would be able to do it. But I, I did pull it off, and it was all um, – the whole thing was a great experience. Um, well, sounds like and, it. Yeah, Ben is now a lifelong friend. Uh, as soon as I get back from uh, Costa Rica, I'm planning on going up there again and spending a few days with him and training again um, and take it to the next level and keep just keep taking it to the next level. Well, that's what we're supposed to be doing in life, right? Yeah. You know, this is what I'm doing right now, you know, and uh, this is what I'm going to do until I'm done, you know, until I do that by you sometime in the spring. So that is going to be this year. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, 2018. So yeah, I'm giving myself um, uh, five months to do it. So April or May, you know, I'll do it. I'll go down there and do it. Uh, and then sadly, I'll have to either buy the kayak or give it back to Stella. Um, <laughs> well, they're, right they're just loaning this puppy to you. You just get to use one yeah. of their racing kayaks. Yeah, and their nicest paddles and all of their, you know, uh, there's some other group that's given me, I don't, I don't want to say the name of it yet because uh, I don't, I don't, it's like NSR or some company that makes all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But they're giving me all kinds of wetsuits and dry suits and this and that and the whole thing. It's crazy how people are stepping up to do this because I mean, they all want to have advertising on my show or whatever. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, but just, hey, let them pay you first. Yeah, just give me the stuff and I'll talk about you. Look, I'm talking about them tonight. Yeah, yeah, we're we're getting them. You're getting them uh, free marketing on my show. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, well, I don't I, I don't know if this is working or not, but I tried sharing something to you. On I never shared a photo through Skype, but I just dropped an image to you. So I, I, I wouldn't know. Let's see. I I, I don't I, even I, know how to do this. I think it went through. I, I I would have to wait until I'm done with the show. Yeah, close call. 
call gallery. Well, anyway, I, I, I sent you something. It's not kayaking, but uh, when I was in Africa, I did a uh, ultralight flight. So I did a, it's like a go-kart mounted to a glider wing with a, with an old ex-military bearded uh, South African <laughs> white guy uh, piloting it. But I'm, ba- I'm basically straddling his back in a second chair behind him. And we're flying doing an aerial safari at 50 miles an hour, 4,000 feet, uh, flying over top of the, of the wild game. <laughs> wow. Uh, my fiance thought I was crazy, but I was like, it's stuff like this, man. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Kayaking and mountain biking and, and yeah. doing crazy safari flights. Was yours a fixed wing or was it the, um, they, they call them over there micro lights, but then other people were calling them ultra light flights. And some, some call them hyper lights. Um, was it, did it look like a wing or was it like a parachute above you with the go-kart underneath? Uh, it, it, well, it's it looks like almost parachute material, but it's like a triangular wing. So it's a single triangular wing, um, and then in the center, obviously, is the entire framework apparatus. And he holds he holds the triangular bar in front of him for steering and to adjust the air currents. But you're you're not like laying in those stretched out canvas like uh, hammocks. I, I I did one of those, uh, and I thought it was really neat. I, yeah. I get really seasick, you know, motion sick, and and as it turns out, I got motion sick. Uh, and one of those too, uh, oh. <laughs> but really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it. The day I went up, um, there was some, you know, some, uh, thermal, you know, some thermals that were pushing up pretty hard. Yep. It was bouncing it around a bunch. And, uh, yeah, he purposely will, like, I, we went up at six o'clock in the morning. He said he will only fly first thing in the morning or late in the evening, because obviously you have less of the, like you said, the thermal activity, is I guess more manageable or or less less existent uh, in the uh, compared to the middle of the day. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it, but yeah, I had a great time. Except you know, I got a little nauseous to it. And the one I was in, the guy let me fly it. You know, um, I'm not really now, sure. Were you, yet. were you in the hammocks? So like, were you laying in them or were you sitting in a chair like attached no, to we wheels? We were sitting in a chair, and uh, because I I flown my buddy's um, uh, Cessna a few times um once you're up you know once you're up anyone can fly a plane okay it's the landing and taking off that the mere mortal can't do but my buddy over the years has taught me how to use the foot pedals to bank the plane and how to use you know the 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 wheel and the foot pedals to bank and do all this kind of stuff uh and he's actually yeah, that looks exactly like the thing I was I was in. Yeah, like I'm standing in front of the cart, but you get the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly that thing. Um but you know, so I kind of knew what I was doing with the foot pedals and the whole thing. Yep. And uh that ended up working uh fine, you know. But then I still got sick, you know. Uh but it was fun. The whole thing was fun. The only thing that I could see somebody getting sick was when you first take off, because he literally has a dirt runway at his place, and then there was like a half-assed tar road, as they call it, runway at our game lodge. So he would fly 10 minutes from his place to our place and, and land there. But when you first take off, like he, you know, he's on the runway. When you take off, and then all of a sudden it's like a whoom. I mean, they they catch that lift, and you're you're not going straight up, but you're going up fast. <laughs> and I was like, hello. Yeah, it, it doesn't take long at all. It's no. um. It's just a couple of seconds. It was like you're airborne. Yeah, it's awesome. It you don't cool. really need a runway. I, I had a buddy in high school uh, when those things first came out, a guy named Gary. All he ever wanted to do in life was be a pilot. Yep. And he had his uh, 
He had his pilot's license when he was 16. He used to crop dust because, you know, there's a lot of cane fields where we grew up. So he he became a crop duster. And those guys are like daredevils, those crop dusters. And uh, so he did that. And then he kept saving his money. He bought a Hyperlite, one of those things. Yeah. And he would just fly it everywhere. You know, the guy just loved flying that damn thing around. Oh, man, yeah. I, it's once you're used to it, it's not that bad. I mean, I mean, if people, it's more dangerous riding a motorcycle. I mean, oh, God. He, he, this guy actually says, because he can hit 4,000 feet, he's had guys skydive out of it. Like, they've, as soon as they jump out, he'll kill the motor so the propeller will stop. They jump out and they already got their chute in their hand. So it's a quick deployment because you only have 4,000 feet. Whereas right. when I skydive, it's like, you know, 12,000 feet. So, um, you got more of a free fall. These guys just boom out. So I was blown away by that. I'm impressed that people can <laughs> skydive out of those things. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy that people would even want to do that. You could get hung up on something, I guess, or maybe not, but, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> it's all pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. And I'm excited for you, man. I'm glad that the training is going well. And, and, uh, I'm not excited for all that travel though, man, because going to South Africa and back sucked. I was on, three different flights to get there, three different flights back. We could have paid a hell of a lot more to get more direct, but you're looking at like five plus thousand per flight per person. We were like, screw this, man. But we had to fly all the way to Qatar, um, which was a 12 plus hour flight from Philadelphia. And then another eight and a half down to Johannesburg and then another two and a half to Cape Town because our first week was in Cape Town. And then two and a half back for week two because our, our – um, in Johannesburg, we had to fly back to Johannesburg because that's where uh, they then shuttle us out to this safari where we were doing the educational stuff for my fiance, and it was just a lot of flying. <laughs> well, it's always fun to travel, so um, yeah, um, you had a great time. Anyway, exactly, and the whole point is I got to appreciate other cultures, got to have some great espresso, um, <laughs> and also understand what's going on down in South Africa a little bit more. So. Um, I tell people all the time, like you have to travel and understand that we have a lot of great things in this country and we need to appreciate them more. Yeah. I, I always say that, you know, people are somewhat small minded here because a lot of Americans never leave America Yep. You know, and they don't see what's out there. And I wish more people would. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, sir, uh, we've had an amazing podcast today. I want to make sure you can get back and go eat and do other things since you're a few hours behind me. Yeah. I, I feel like we rambled on. I hope your audience likes this. That's but, what we do. I mean, it's I had a great. Time. It happens. It happens on your show too. I mean, yeah, we talked about the businesses and stuff too. But also, hey, you're still a man. You're still a human. I'm still a human, and yeah. we're catching up. I haven't. I haven't chatted with you since we met in Philly. That's right. It's been a while, and we didn't even get to talk that much that night. There was some other woman. Oh who yeah, the, uh, the other marketing person. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's funny. I never heard from her after that. Wasn't she, uh, wasn't she trying to get your business? She was. Uh, but uh, I, when she realized what we, I think she was some kind of marketing person. She was, and, but not, she's not like me though. She's like, it seems like she's more PR. And you had, when you started sharing your story about PR from the book writing, I was trying not to crack up. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I think I scared her. I took her for dinner in the next room when we were done. Oh yeah. And I was over I, there afterwards. I was sitting at the, I was just sitting at the bar grabbing a snack before I drove back, and then right before I left, I saw you guys sitting in the back corner. Yeah, and we 
we uh, ate, and I explained to her, I said, you know, I, I said, how would you do this? Well, we would do this, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't work. What else you got? You know, well, we would do this, and I was like, yeah, you and every other PR agent, that doesn't work. What else you got? You know, I have this number, many of people doing this on the internet. How can you beat that? Yep. Well, I can't. Okay, well, if you could beat that, we could do business. But if you can't beat that, if you can't, if you can't outdo what I'm doing, and I have no idea what I'm doing, then why would I pay you a dime? Hey, I could tell you something right now. Like you're trying to grow YouTube, for example. I've been slowly increasing my posting to YouTube in the past few months. In the past three weeks, I'm averaging 15 to 20 new subscribers hitting my channel, like literally subscribing to my channel right. each week for the past three weeks. All of a sudden, I see this massive upswing. My, my, one of the reasons why is some of the most hits I've gotten are because of that podcast video from when I had Dr. Jack Wolfson on, the paleocardiologist. So yeah. I don't know how well he did on your show, but I can tell you the podcast did great. But then all of a sudden, because I started double publishing and also sending stuff to YouTube, that's been YouTube likes it when you're pushing shit to YouTube. So because every podcast I do, except for this one, goes to YouTube, you know, YouTube's happy with me now because I'm always, I'm now considered a new content generator. So I know you're right. starting to do more work on your YouTube. Just a little best practice. I've been getting some good results from it now. Good, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. That's free, free advice. I mean, so it is what it's worth. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate all of it. Um, well, I see Andy's called and I see Anna's called. So all I got right. phone calls. Well, tell them I said hello and I need to get Anna. I've, Anna's never made a second appearance on this show. And because it's the holiday season, I got to get her to help promote eHappy. She, so. She's easy. Uh, she's back in town now. Do you have her email, right? I do. I know she was in New York, so I didn't want to bother her. No, call, say, look, I just finished the podcast with Vinny. Okay. Love to get you on. Tell her you'll put it up before the holidays. Oh, and, hell yeah. Uh, her book and she'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I'll put her up before you since you want to get pushed out a little bit later. So Yeah, um, yeah call Anna so you can push me out a bit. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, well, tell them I said hello. Um, again, I like to close out the show with you closing it out. So, I mean, we've talked about so much crap tonight, but big picture, with everything you got going on with Pure Coffee Club, I mean, is there any kind of, I don't know, people who are listening, it's like, man, if I forget everything else about this episode, like what, what Vinny and all your pure companies stand for. I mean, what's the biggest point behind everything you're doing right now? I tell everyone this. Uh, people always ask me for advice and how to get things rolling and whether you're trying to lose weight or make money or do anything. Uh, I always say never worry about your IQ. Worry about your FQ, your failure quotient, the number of times you can fail and come back. And that's how we succeed. You only have to have one more success than failure. I and you know, just your FQ means so much more than your IQ. Um, and just like my, my buddy Ambrose, you know, <laughs> he was like that. He was like, hey, I can fail all night tonight. You know, just need one success. I love that. Well, Hank, I'll give you a proper goodbye and disconnect this for to listeners, guys. Your FQ is much more valuable than your IQ. I couldn't have asked for a better way to close this out. Get to work on hitting that failure quota, man. Start increasing the amount of times you're failing because that's how you're going to live and grow from the words from himself from Vinny Tortorich. So again, check out purecoffeeclub.com. Again, I'm a customer of purevitaminclub.com and definitely check him out at vinnytortorich.com. Again, guys, all the stuff will be listed in the show notes. So again, this is what we're all about. Keep living the fired up epic life and we'll talk to you guys again soon.
Hey there, Live the Fuel fans. Quick commercial break. Uh, before we close out the episode, just wanted to give you some extra tips and tricks before we send you on your way. So again, thank you again for listening to the Live the Fuel show. I hope you got a lot out of this recent episode. Uh, more importantly, please subscribe to the show if you haven't subscribed yet. Stay in touch. Get me some feedback. Submit a review on iTunes or Stitcher and get us yet the voice of you, the listener, so we can build this content back into the show and make sure that I'm actually taking you, the listener, into this uh, design and future as Live the Fuel grows. So again, subscribe, submit a review, stay in touch. Heck, on that point, go visit livethefueltank.com. Livethefueltank.com. That will take you to the link to our private Facebook group community where you can join and I can stay more in touch with you going forward outside of the podcast world. All right, last quick little piece here for you guys, some extra value. One, Go to livethefuel.com main page. You'll see on there we have our free resources guide. If you are looking for free content and not having to pay for it, consider getting on my email list. You click on the button, send me my copy, get your Super 7s resources guide. There's over 21 of my favorite online resources that I built into this little uh, electronic guide for you guys. There's no cost. It'll just be emailed to you just by hopping on my email. Again, just thank you for listening. I want to give you some value. Uh, Second piece of my little extra nuggets of knowledge, if you want to call it this, is go to the resources section on the site. In there, I have three columns, health, business, lifestyle, and two, right off the bat that I want to make sure you guys are taking advantage of is number one, eatpillynuts.com, and number two, villacapelli.com. Their logos are on the site. You got a big bowl of nuts there, and you got a cool big V, Power V logo. Both of those, if you use the discount code FUEL, F-U-E-L, you will get 10% off at checkout. So take advantage of that, please, and thank you. And more importantly, there's other companies linked on there. Uh, My nutritional and health alignment with Isogenics since 2010. Uh, The Pure Vitamin Club Company for their kick-ass magnesium B12 and an awesome multi-cap. There's some additional business resources on there. Number one, Singularis IT. I go mountain biking and road cycling with the founder. This is a legitimate IT company. I don't care where you are in the world. You can use their services. We're talking about serious white glove level services. I've moved all of my IT solutions over to them, and I outsource them regularly for any future and onboarding clients down the road. And lastly, but not leastly, David Studio. If you have no clue who this guy is, guess what? He is my new audio engineer. This is the guy I've been having making it happen behind the scenes. I found him through the Fiverr world. So if you search for David, D-A-V-I-D, studio on Fiverr, you can track this guy down. But guess what? He's also on the Upwork platform. He's on the People Per Hour platform. You can search for him through his real name. I've never literally physically met this guy or talked to him in person. We have been just met through the online world. But if you search for E-M-I-N, that's, I believe, pronounced Emin, and uh, Fikik, which is F as in Frank, I-K-I-C, you can search for him in Upwork people per hour. Oh, more importantly, just go to Fiverr like I did. But if you are a podcaster or somebody just looking to get quality audio engineering, this is your guy. So again, guys, I'll let you get back to your day. Thanks again for listening to Live the Fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to Live the Fuel. Visit us at livethefuel.com. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at Live the Fuel. Live the fired up epic life. Hashtag Live the Fuel.